0: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer? A hand clapper? A high fiver? is 50 years younger and i'd kick your ass it's over mia, he's done it anthony joshua defeats vladimir let uh,
2: let's get ready to rumble welcome back to btr boxing podcast the big Fight Preview. This episode is all about Andy Ruiz Jr. and Luis Ortiz fighting on the 4th of September on a Sunday. Big fight in the heavyweight division this and I'm glad to be joined by Luke, who is always a great guest to have on. I feel like you are like the third musketeer of this show now. You know me and Johnston have been doing this together for about three years but it's like you've now Come in and you are quite an integral part of what we do here because you're always around to do after shows and you're always stepping to do big fight previews or reactions and it's it's greatly appreciated and y- your insights greatly appreciated as well by ourselves. But I know our listeners, I know you guys love listening to Lukey and his, uh, his takes. So Lukey, thanks for coming on. Ruiz Ortiz, relatively big fight. What are your initial impressions of the significance of this fight coming up?
1: But you got to also remember, remind me what your Venmo is for that introduction you gave me because that, I, I got to pay you for that one. You know, we, we talked off air, but I forgot the details. But my thoughts are why
2: is this on pay per view? It's a fight that shouldn't be on pay per view. I don't believe it should be a pay per view fight. I don't believe, especially in America, I don't believe you guys should be paying for this fight. I mean, us in the UK. I'm not too sure if there is a, a broadcaster for this fight. I haven't actually checked that. Maybe I should have done a little bit more research before coming into this big fight preview. I haven't checked who, if there is a UK broadcaster for the fight, uh, but it's not a fight I would want to see on pay-per-view, and I don't understand why it is on pay-per-view, because whilst I think it's a significant fight, I don't believe it's a justifiable pay-per-view fight. I mean, you look at the card as well, and you, you know, you've got a couple of decent contests on there and i say decent quite lightly i say there's a you know there's a few names on there that will be recognizable to the general audience the likes of isaac cruz and charles martin and abnamarez they're all showing on this particular card for the for the fourth so maybe that's what they're trying to justify this pay-per-view with but i'd be pretty pissed to be paying for this as a pay-per-view
1: well just think about this like in America and probably in the UK too, like you guys probably don't have to pay for the Ortiz-Ruiz fights, which is a, a really good fight, but is it worth paying that money when there's a financial recession? That's a big ask of people. Then two weeks later, we got Golovkin versus Canelo, which is another paywall. And I'm sure I'm forgetting, but then we have Deontay Wilder in a couple more months. He's behind at paywall. There's going to probably be another tank fight that's going to be on pay-per-view. It seems that any fighter that we're excited to see, they're behind paywalls. And it's like Ruiz Jr. versus Luis Ortiz would be a great fight to be on Showtime or Fox because it would get excitement towards getting a fight with Wilder, Fury, or one of these big names. Putting it behind paywall just really limits who sees this fight and how it matters to the world.
2: It's a problem, isn't it? And it's a, it's a long standing problem. And there's another fight in there that is pay-per-view here in the uk which is connor ben and chris Euban jr and that's october the 8th so i think within the space of about six weeks there's been usik joshua then in america you've got the ruiz ortiz then you've got canelo triple g you've got connor ben chris Euban jr you've got Hellenius and wilder you know the, the the sort of list is getting bigger and bigger and broadcasters want us as fans to pay this sort of money so in the space of like six to eight weeks you've got i mean in the uk it probably equates to about 80 pounds but in america you're talking near 200 for all these pay-per-views aren't you and then the issue is like
1: with any purchase it's a lot of money right so like i'm probably going to eat food for lunch right i'm probably going to eat if i go to a restaurant i want to feel like i get a good value The problem with boxing is like we're paying money, but compared to any other sport, if I watch golf, tennis, all these others, there's limited paywalls. You might pay for one service, but you get most of the sport. I think what's hard is there, it's becoming like a country club sport where you have to go through so many paywalls, it's going to limit who follows the sport because it's going to be, I mean, I like Andy Ruiz, but I don't want to pay the X amount of dollars. And I think that what's sad is for such an interesting heavyweight fight, at least in America, the story is truly, why is this on pay-per-view?
2: And I can understand why the story is like that in America. I think with us in the UK, if we, we're quite lucky with some of the broadcasting networks here that they actually pick it up and it... Well, we don't not have to pay it because if we have to have, say, a Sky subscription or a a Virgin Media subscription, a broadcaster in the UK that provides a sports channel which will show this fight, technically we are still paying because we are still paying a monthly bill to have this DV network being broadcast into our homes. But it's a fight where I feel like you've nailed it on the head when you've said... If this wasn't on pay-per-view, the likelihood is more people would want to tune into it because most people that are looking forward to this fight know it's quite significant for both men. They've both been quite inactive over the past couple of years. Ortiz is just getting older and older; he's forty-three years of age now, and Andy Ruiz, he feels like a, a talent that's being just wasted. You know, ever since his Joshua win and then his subsequent defeat in the rematch. You feel like you know he's got this talent, he's got this ability to hang it with some of these big names. There was a lot of talk of him fighting the likes of Deontay Wilder at some point, And now we're here, he's had a one fight with Chris Ariola since he's lost to Joshua. And now he's here fighting Ortiz, who, since his loss to Wilder, has come back and had victories. But he's still quite inactive, really, for a, for a man of his age and at that stage of his career you'd certainly think he'd want to be more active. You'd certainly think he'd want to be pushing for these types of fights. And it's great that we've got this type of fight now, but it feels a little bit too little too late because of the way the heavyweight scene has shifted at the top of the chain now. It feels like both of these guys are a little bit in no man's land. To me, it's like you've got Andrew Ruiz, Luis Ortiz, and then you've got Wilder versus Helenius. and it's like the winner of them two fights in my mind, would be great to see the winners face off against each other for the potential right to fight for one of the world titles, whichever sanctioning body goes down that route, whether it's the WBC, with Wilder obviously having that relationship previously with him. So, for me, this is significant in the sense that it really could determine who the next big challenger will be outside of the likes of wilder and Hellanius and the dillian whites and even the daniel dubois of the world you know that are potentially fighting as well so i do see it significant in terms of the fight itself then lukey handing this back over to you how significant is it really for the landscape of the heavyweight division and because of the inactivity of both fighters what type of fight can you expect I think that you're
1: asking a lot of unanswered questions that we're going to find out on that evening, right? So Luis Ortiz fought January 1st, and there's not enough fight dates to keep him active. And now he's fighting Andy Ruiz in September. The big issue with, in my opinion, with boxing, whether it's heavyweight or any division, is none of these promoters have enough dates to keep the fighters active. So guys just aren't fighting enough for momentum to really be built we look at guys like adonis stevenson he won boxer of the year because he fought four times in one calendar year guys aren't keeping that type of schedule and with these older guys i think it really comes down to what version of Luis ortiz exists now older fighter and andy ruiz is one of the most inconsistent fighters in terms of what he brings to the ring he can look like a phenomenon in the Joshua fight or the Joseph Parker fight, but I've seen him in Tachi Palace where he looked very average. And it's like Andy Ruiz doesn't really have a baseline that he consistently hits. He varies, he goes up and down. There's lots of variance. What I think the trajectory of this fight is, if Wilder's able to beat Robert Hellanius, this seems to be the next fighter to be in line to fight Wilder. And that would be a big event. So this seems like all signs point to these two heavyweight pay-per-views. The winner will meet each other probably, I don't know, summer or next year.
2: That's kind of my interpretation, which is why I was saying earlier. It kind of feels like a bit of a a sort of semi-final to a potential final bout, which will then lead on to a world title shot, once we know the landscape of the heavyweight division, maybe towards the end of 2023, we'll know whether or not we'll have that undisputed title fight, whether we'll get an undisputed champion or whether the titles will end up fragmented as as a result of problems in negotiations. You just really don't know what's going to come around the corner. But focusing on this fight on Sunday, Ruiz and Ortiz, how, how do both men effectively beat one another i know I'm, I'm asking questions again that we're going to find the answers out to but theoretically from what you've seen of both fighters maybe at their best how does andy ruiz beat ortiz and and how does ortiz beat ruiz i think
1: Luis ortiz beats them if if ruiz isn't sharp and he's not able to keep a good pace he will get hit he will get knocked out i think the big thing for ruiz is he, he really lives and dies by head movement. So the thing Ruiz is good at is the thing Joshua is absolutely terrible at. Ruiz turns his defense into offense, and Anthony Joshua is not capable really of turning offense to defense, defense to offense. Anthony Joshua can beat Luis Ortiz if he turns any defensive move he makes into a counterpunch the minute he makes the defensive move and makes Ortiz miss. If Ortiz is able to land on Ruiz, he probably stops him.
2: It's an interesting take. Do you not think Ruiz would have that, regardless of his inconsistencies and inactivities, do you not think uh, an in-shape Andy Ruiz, a mentally, 100% mentally fit Andy Ruiz would be able to get the better? of the older man i mean i've always looked at ruiz and seen his hand speed and seeing that i think his hand speed is is probably going to be key for this particular fight will be to try and take advantage of the age of louis ortiz and see whether or not he has slowed down even more you know i think that will be a key factor on the night as to whether he's slowed any more and whether ruiz has got himself into good enough shape to be able to use that hand speed to get inside of lewis ortiz hopefully use that head movement to get inside and get past that lethal jab of his and get on the inside and use his combinations on the inside because we have seen, when he's at his best i.e the first joshua fight the joseph parker fights you know he can bamboozle a fighter he can he can make it harder he's at them particular times he was quite agile for what he looks like physically and you don't expect that out of a fighter that looks like him, however from what I have seen leading up to this particular fight it looks like, from the outside, and that's a big if, it looks like to me, he actually is getting himself into some type of relatively decent shape that will actually put him in line for a good chance of, of beating Luis Ortiz but I just can't count Luis Ortiz out in this fight because Regardless of his age, the skill level and ability that he's shown in his big fights are second to none. I mean, the second Wilder fight was so impressive. Up until the point he got caught, he was doing everything right in that fight. Up until the point he got caught, that was it. And that's just what Wilder does. You know, he was completely being outboxed for six, seven rounds by Ortiz. He was making him look so amateurish that it was unbelievable. But I think Luis Ortiz has still got that. It's just a case of, will he be slower? Will he be less agile? Will his movement not be as good as we've once seen it? And will that lead to Andy Ruiz's opportunity to win this fight? I
1: think my big fear, deeper than that, is who's really running Andy Ruiz's like camp? Because it feels like Andy Ruiz is running his own team now. Like He left Reynoso, and it seems like it's the Andy Ruiz show at the Andy Ruiz gym and against Ariola, he was in shape and he still made a lot of mistakes so it's like with ruiz it's just discipline and can he i think that if i were to think about this fight i feel like luis ortiz has a very good chance of beating andy ruiz
2: would that be a prediction would that would you think that would be an ortiz victory would that is that what you're saying you think is going to happen here i mean
1: i don't I'd like to see a little bit of the fight week, but my gut is telling me
2: Luis Ortiz probably stops Andy Ruiz. So, I'm a bit on the fence about this fight, about how it's going to go down and who's actually going to win. And the difficulty that we have is at the time of recording this particular episode, we we you know we're just before fight week starts, recording it in advance. So, we don't really know how he looks on the scales we don't know what his demeanor is in fight week which is 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 sometimes quite difficult but if i'm looking at it based on previous performances skill levels abilities where they're both at in their careers ages taking all that sort of stuff into consideration i'd initially like to favor the younger ideally fresher man but My difficulty is here is what I've just said before... About Ortiz's skill levels and ability... And I think they're the questions that are going to be answered... If Ortiz has still got that level of fitness within him... Then I think he outboxes Andy Ruiz... And I think possibly stops him later on down the line in the fight... But we're not going to know that until Sunday night... But if Ruiz is in shape... And Ortiz has slowed... And Ortiz isn't the fighter we've once seen before then that's probably on what basis I'd say Ruiz would win the fight. It's very difficult for me to predict. My heart says that Luis Ortiz win it, wins the fight, but then my head says Sandy Ruiz just out-hustles him. So I'm kind of torn between those two factors of how I think the fight's going to go down. I know people that listen to us will just say, we'll just give a prediction. Well if i'm gonna give a prediction for the fight um i'm gonna i'm gonna go with my heart and i think luis ortiz wins this fight i think he'll still have enough left in the tank to beat andy ruiz i'm not too sure if he'll stop him ultimately i think it's a possibility but i think ortiz wins the fight
0: it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper
1: I mean, I just feel like even though Ortiz is older and he got dropped by Charles Martin, he's the more consistent fighter. And I just would rather go with that type of fight.
2: So that's our predictions for the big fight. It's not the only fight going on this weekend, Luke here. In the UK, on the Saturday night, we've got a card in Liverpool, here in the UK, headlined by Liam Smith, super welterweight, ranked in the top 10 of the super welterweights in the world. Fighting someone who's ranked number forty, number forty, on number forty-two. That's Hassan McQuino. Now, UK fight fans will remember Macquino from beating Sam Eginton, who's now the current IBO super welterweight champion. Now, this is a fight that I, be totally honest, I wasn't expecting for Liam Smith. I and honestly thought Liam Smith would be taking a fight with a fighter much higher up the rankings but it kind of alludes back to something you were just saying about the fights in the heavyweight division, the fights in America, is that sometimes there are not enough dates for these fighters or not enough opportunities for these fighters to fight these bigger names in the division. Because ideally, at Smith's age, at 34 years of age, he's looked pretty good in his last couple of outings. He's beaten the UK's Anthony Fowler, fellow scouser, and then he's beaten Jesse Vargas earlier this year. And I feel like there's still a little bit something left in him to challenge for a world title once more in the Super World to division. But as it stands, you've got Charlo looking like he's going to fight Tim Zhu. Sebastian Fandora's is already tied up at the moment. So... You know, the other fights that I was looking at for Liam Smith was the likes of maybe Erickson Lubin coming off the back of his loss or a a Tony Harrison or, you know, maybe even looking down the list and maybe a rematch with Sam Eggington because he he absolutely dismantled Sam Eggington a few years ago, but Sam Eggington's now the IBO champion. So, you know, I'd be looking at more bigger fights for him at this point of his career. It feels like this is just i hate to say it a tick over fight but a dangerous a dangerous tick over fight for him i mean it feels like a trap
1: fight it feels like this is the type of fight an older fighter could lose um after a big win i'd like to see charles conwell versus liam smith in the future conwell 2016 olympian liam smith a uh, well-known fighter do that in the uk I get what you're saying. I think he's at a point where he should be kind of fighting more reputable fighters at this point.
2: Yeah, he should. I, I genuinely feel that's the case. However, it could be a case of boxing politics and that other fighters at the top of the chain are pretty much tied up at the moment. I think the one fight I'd like to see him in was Brian Carlos Castano. That was the the fight ideally I would have loved to have seen for, for Liam Smith because the type of style he's got it would be that cliche fight in a phone booth. It would be. It would be a great fight to watch, especially for for fight fans. And it would then give Liam Smith more cause to be able to say, look, I'm fighting Brian Castano, who went life and death with Charlo at one point. And it'd give him more reputability and marketability to be able to say, actually, if you're putting him in with a big name in the division, there's something to bring to the table there rather than it just looking like, you know, a guy fighting Liam Smith, maybe like a, you know, a Tim Zero or a Charlo or, or anybody of that, that, that level or even a Fondora, and they're just bringing him to America and, and nobody really knows Liam Smith that well. They might remember him from his fights with Jaime Munguia, but other than that, it's he, he, difficult to market him in America. So he's here in Liverpool because he's going to sell out Liverpool because he's also got obviously fellow scouser Natasha Jonas on the card as well, fighting for the WBC super welterweight title. So, understandably, so the draw is here in the UK for him. But I do feel it's a, it's not, it's a dangerous fight because if he loses it, <laughs> that's the problem that you were saying. If he loses this fight at this stage now, any chances of of pushing forward for another shot at a title in this division, I think, I think are gone. I really do
1: yeah i mean it's just you look at the division like i'm looking there's guys like israel madra mayoff but really this is the problem with undisputed champions right if the sanctioning bodies don't take the belts away from the fighter because jermel charlo is one of the best fighters currently in the world that being said fighting one time and holding all four belts and having your next fight scheduled for january it's not very acceptable when there's so many fighters that are waiting on opportunities for world title fights it basically does what errol spence terrence crawford is doing where there's a log jam at the top of the division because no one wants to fight each other because they want to see when those guys fight how it shakes out and what it does for fight fans is basically we just waste a lot of time not getting the fights we really want
2: And that is always a problem, always a problem across the sport overall. So Liam Smith's the headline act in this show on Saturday night in Liverpool. But there are a couple of decent fights well worthy of watching that I am going to mention to the audience. So I mentioned Natasha Jonas' fight against Patricia Berghall, who's the WBC Super Welterweight Champion, 15-0 undefeated. Natasha Jonas finally realised her Olympic pedigree and her dream by becoming the WBO champion by beating Chris Namus in her last fight earlier this year. Now, I'm one for wanting UK fighters to do well, but it was a fight where I kind of felt like she was she was gifted this this particular fight against Chris Namus. I feel like, yeah, she deserves a fight for a world title. I think she was a little bit hard done to in her split decision draw with Terry Harper in 2020. I kind of felt like maybe she should have won that fight. She had a great fight with Katie Taylor, losing on unanimous decision in 2021. And, you know, people in the UK have a soft spot for Natasha Jonas, where they want to see her actually win a world title. And she's finally achieved that. And now she's got this unification fight. And I don't know too much about Patricia Burkholt, So I can't really make a judgment as to whether this is going to be a, a really tough fight for Natasha Jonas or whether she's got the skill and ability level to to beat Bukhol. What I know about her, Patricia Bukhol, is that she beat another UK-based fighter in Hannah Rankin. Now, Hannah Rankin is now a champion as well. She's actually fighting Terry Harper on the 24th of September for the IBO and WBA Super Welterweight titles. So there's a potential here where you've got two fighters fighting in Natasha Jonas and Patricia Burgholt, and then you've got the Rankin-Harper fight later on in September, which could then lead to another fight between, potentially, Terry Harper and Natasha Jonas, or Jonas versus Rankin, or even if Berghalt comes through it, she could fight one of them other two fighters. For me, it's a difficult fight to call because I know what Natasha Jonas is all about, but I don't really know what her opponent, Berghalt, is all about. So I can't make too much of a judgment as to how difficult of a fight and whether it's a winnable fight for her.
1: And can I be an idiot? Can I make an assumption? You would assume that if this opponent is coming into the home territory of Natasha Jonas, that there would be some stylistic deficiencies the opponent has. You wouldn't assume that Natasha Jonas is going to fight someone that they're bringing in, who's a world champion, who has a lot of advantages over. Her. That's just my assumption, not knowing a lot.
2: <laughs> well, I don't always think it's assumptions. I think knowing the sport and knowing at times how well matched fighters can be. This could be a case of they've identified Natasha Jones and his team have identified that Patricia Burkhart could be a fighter that has them deficiencies, as you mentioned who is also a champion and there's an opportunity there for them to add another belt to her collection to make a long term, make a larger fight down the line because the winner of Harper versus Rankin then comes away with two titles and then Natasha Jonas has two titles, so then there's four titles on the line it won't be a complete undisputed fight because the IBF is not up for grabs in any of these two fights but it certainly would give rise to a, a potential big fight in the future, here in the UK in particular. So I, I'm interested to see how the fight goes down. And I mean, personally, you know, if I'm talking with my heart, I'd like to see Jonas win the fight. Because I think she does deserve, you know, her her day in the sun. But I don't know too much about Berghold. I don't know stylistically whether she's got enough... Or she's got too much to beat Jonas. Because I've seen Jonas in the past when she had a shock-upset loss uh, in 2018 against Vivian Obanoff. There's potential there to, for it to be a, a problem for Natasha Jonas. And she's also not getting any younger as well. I'd say she's probably in the twilight of her boxing career now as a professional. So there is cause here potentially for Bergholt to walk out of Liverpool with that WBO title as well as the WBC. So it is a very interesting fight for for me. I'm hoping that many of our listeners will enjoy it and tune into it because I think it's a significant fight based on what I've told you about the fact that we've got Terry Harper, Hannah Rankin also fighting for two titles as well at the end of the month. So let's see how it plays out. There are other fights on the cards that I wanted to mention. Light heavyweight title, the British light heavyweight title, is on the line as Dan Aziz defends that title against Shaqan Pitters in what is a brilliant, brilliant fight for the card. I'm really, really excited for it because domestically, the amount of fighters we've got in the light heavyweight division at the moment is there's a plethora of light heavyweights in the UK. Some of them are going on to bigger and better things on the world stage, but the likes of Dan Aziz and Shekhan Pittas have been around for about three or four years at this level now, where I think it's a time for either one of them men to move forward in their careers. And I think this will be a fight that will determine who will move forward. Shaqan Peters has got one loss on his record. That loss was in a great fight against Craig Richards. The, the same Craig Richards that did fight Dimitri Bivol and fought Joshua Boazzi as well. So, you know, he's, he's not like he's not been in the ring with good fighters because he certainly has. But for me, Dan Aziz has been the one who has looked excellent so far. He's passed every test that's been put in front of him. And I genuinely believe that he's going to be the one that will move forward in his career and, and go on to that level where he'll start fighting world-level opponents. Have you seen any of these two fighters, Luke? Here? And and if so, what have you made of them?
1: I, I'm just listening, taking notes. I mean, I might have seen them, but I don't have opinions.
2: <laughs> always, always the guy that will come to this show and be totally honest, and I appreciate it. It's funny. You know, I, I, you know, I understand because you you follow a lot of the us prospects you do a lot of work away from the microphone involved in boxing so I can understand how difficult it is for you to keep up with some of these fighters here in the UK it's easier for us obviously because this from my side you know I've gone around the shows I've watched all these fighters from ringside I've been in the changing rooms with them I've spoken to them I've done stuff with them in the past I've done podcasts with them in the past so you know it's easier for me to talk about these fighters and these fights than obviously it is for you But I suppose, from your perspective, it is a good way to be able to look at the potential fights that may be lined up for some of the US light heavyweight prospects in the future. Because these two guys, certainly, one of them will come out, hopefully will get a victor and it won't be a draw, but one of these two men will come out a victor and they will be looking to progress their career forward. And I genuinely believe that most British fighters, their aims are always to fight in America, it's a, it's a big thing for British fighters to get over to the USA and fight in the USA and I think Dan Aziz and Chicken Petters certainly are both the type of characters in this sport that will want to do that so it is significant in the light heavyweight division so it will be a good fight to tune into for the UK fight fans and of course the American and Canadian and Australian fight fans that tune into our show so do make sure you tune in to this particular fight as well on the card. So I'm just going to round up the rest of the card for everybody listening. We've got Adam Azim, 5-0, and fighting on this card. John Doherty, 12-1 and against Diego Costa, 8-0, which I think will be a really, really good fight on the undercard. I think it will be a fight which not many people will expect it to be a barn burner, but it will. Uh, we've got Fraser Clark also. On this card, obviously the heavyweight Olympian who's turned professional, who's looking to fast-track his career, he is also on this card. He hasn't got an opponent announced as yet. So, as you know, when they haven't got an opponent at this stage, it's most likely that they'll be bringing somebody in to give him a little bit of experience, but more than likely, someone he'll probably stop quite quickly in the fight. They're the main fighters on this card. That is the main card in the UK this weekend. It is relatively quiet this weekend for boxing in general. So the big focus has been for for me and obviously for us in this episode, the Ruiz-Ortiz fight, because I do consider it to be significant from my perspective as to where the rest of the heavyweights in the division are going to manoeuvre around. So I suppose what I'm looking at doing is finishing up this episode just really finalizing our thoughts again once more and feelings on the Ruiz Ortiz fight so Luke, just give us again a little bit of a summary of what you could possibly expect out of this fighting and what the significance of a win for either man would be I think you're going to see
1: two people looking to knock each other out I think someone's going to get dropped in the first couple of rounds It's going to be wild. Luis Ortiz later in his career, really fun fighter to watch. He's been in a lot of good fights. Charles Martin fight was a good fight. And I think we're going to see the more composed fighter, Luis Ortiz, knock out Andy Ruiz and kind of shock the boxing world
2: looking forward to it there obviously are some names that maybe the uk fight fans will be aware of that are on the card i mentioned isaac cruz is fighting eduardo ramirez you've got abner mares fighting on this card charles martin i mean these are the fighters that uk fight fans will probably be aware of but there are other fighters with pretty good records on this card is there anyone we should be looking at watching on the undercard of this bout Uh,
1: Two that I would say, obviously, you guys know Pitbull Cruz, but I'd say the Rayo-Velenzuela fight versus uh, Jezreel Corrales. That's an interesting trajectory fight. And deep on the undercard, Raiz Alim. If he beats Mike Polaina, he will be the mandatory for Stephen Fulton. Raiz Alim, really, really good fighter.
2: Well, Luke, thank you for your input in that. And guys, thank you for listening. Thanks so much, as always, for listening to the show you know where to find us it's at btr boxing pod on twitter on facebook on instagram on youtube please make sure you leave any thoughts feelings and opinions about the Ruiz and Ortiz fight and of course about some of the fights that I've mentioned on the UK bill as well if you've got any thoughts about where they're going to go potential fights in the future what your thoughts are do do let us know thank you thank you as always for listening and that's it for this big fight preview thank you very much to Lukey as always for coming on and we'll see you next week for a big fight reaction show thanks for listening right on
0: It's over! Mamma mia, He's done it! Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klesko! Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Sports Social Podcast Network.